Welcome to Grip Strip Podcast, episode 46. The uh, Phil is still on a high because uh, he bowled a really good series. And it's NASCAR time since uh, Tommy went and won another Super Bowl. Uh, my name is Phil Matthew. I'm your host. And I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's good, man? Your Jacksonville Jaguars came through yesterday, a bunch of them. Well, yeah, a bunch of them. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm really happy for Leonard Fournette. Uh, you know, he was cut at the beginning of the season, or at you know before the season started, and uh, you know managed to land himself on the Buccaneers. And um, it wasn't really that. I mean, he's an average player, but uh, he was able to, I guess, fit into the Tampa offense better than what he was in Jacksonville. And um, you know, he was able to. Um, do what he did in the playoffs this year. I mean, he earned the nickname uh, Playoff Lenny, and you know now he's a Super Bowl champion. So pretty happy for him. I mean, yeah, I mean he's a pretty cool guy. Like he hung out on a Zoom call with a bunch of uh, Jaguars fans uh, on the, the weekend of the draft and hung out with them throughout that weekend too. It wasn't just like a one-time deal. Like throughout that entire draft weekend, like they were on a Zoom call and they played Call of Duty and stuff. So he's a real cool guy. I'm happy for him. And, of course, Byron Leftwich winning his second ring first as coach, and then somehow Blaine Gabbert winning a, a yeah. ring. But Blaine um, Gabbert. <laughs> yeah, I unbelievable. But uh, you know, I mean, as a Florida resident, you know, happy to see a Florida team actually get it, uh, and you know, happy for Brady and all of that. So I mean, it was. A, I mean, I think I said Chiefs. I thought that they would win, but I mean, I wanted the Bucks to win, so I'm happy for that. But you know, hopefully in the future, you know, the Jaguars are actually in the playoffs. Um, uh, definitely looks hopeful with Meyer and Trevor Lawrence coming in. So uh, definitely uh, on the up and up, I guess, with football, hopefully we'll see. Um, but, you know, now that football's over, uh, now we all know it's uh, time to get back in the swing of things with NASCAR and everything. So, you know, I'm really glad that racing's back and all of that stuff. It's, uh, you know, a good feeling to have. Yeah, and uh, I mean Jacksonville. I mean it's Florida's got a lot of championships going on. The Lightning, uh, baseball is pretty good, at least for the Tampa Bay Rays, and you know uh, basketball with the Heat getting to the finals, and you know so it's a good time uh, in Florida. Big sports uh, for our guest, uh, returning guest here. White Silk Racing podcast, right? White Silk uh, Racing show on YouTube. Uh, a very uh, a guy who uh, he's got that Barry White going on. He's got that sauce. He's got that flavor. He did an episode earlier tonight, and he's going and doing a hit for us. Uh, we appreciate him. A fellow Phil, a fellow guy that thought the fill in the blank and uh idea uh he's a he's a absolute monster on social media he was going and tweeting out everything yesterday i wouldn't have had to watch a super bowl i could have just watched his feed uh <laughs> uh give it up to uh philip spain thank you so much brother i wish uh the referees that we're in this game. We're calling the Super Bowl last year, personally for me, and they would have called some of your games uh, for your Baltimore Ravens. It might have helped you out a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
couple of those calls are questionable. I mean, there were some that were, I guess, warranted, but yeah, it was probably one of the more poorly officiated Super Bowls. I disagree on that. I honestly think it's about time somebody actually called Kansas City, but Kansas City tight uh, because it's kind of similar to some of the things with some of the other teams, but it it also helps that they just didn't have it. But um, Uh, thanks, thanks for coming on. I know you're jacked up for this, uh, season that starts tomorrow. It's effing crazy. Um, speed week now it's not speed weeks. Uh, speed week starts, uh, tomorrow. We're doing this thing on Monday night, uh, East coast time. And, uh, tomorrow night at this time, they're going to be running the, uh, Bush clash, which, uh, William Clyde Elliott's probably going to win. We'll give some, we'll give some uh, predictions here tonight on the GSP for the clash. We'll talk about the duels. Uh, we're not, we can't talk about who's going to win the duels, but we can talk about the clash. We can talk about qualifying um, winners for all the three major races. Um, if we're really bored, we might even talk about the Arca race because that's just going to be a demo derby and a waste of time before the Xfinity race, which will also be a demo derby like the truck race and the Daytona 500. Um, you know, it'll be the last, uh, race with the gen six card last 500 with the gen six before they go to the gen seven, which will have a whole lot of different. Uh, changes going on uh hopefully they get rid of the big ass spoiler on super speedways um they're probably gonna have less horsepower but they'll have six speed sequential gearbox so maybe shifting uh so that'll be interesting in next year's 500 but um yeah it's an interesting year to say the least i mean every year is interesting with nascar but this year, I think it's a transitional year in a lot of ways. You know, we're dealing with COVID still and certain aspects, certain segments of society still act like it doesn't exist. And, you know, you probably saw it last night as well in the Super Bowl. But even then, um, there's going to be, I think, 30,000. I don't know. Uh, I, I forget off the top how many fans are going to be at the 500. 30,000. Yeah, 30,000. Okay, thanks uh josh on that um the the i mean we'll see what they do socialism whatever and all the other crap they're gonna do there but um it's gonna be an interesting week they've condensed speed weeks because of covid time i think it's basically what they're gonna do anyway post covid um you know this 500 there's a lot of changes coming in in the cup series the likes of uh hard r uh taking over the five which used to be the 88 or i mean the 48 um alex bowman going and uh becoming the 48 uh taking over jimmy johnson theoretically even though it's kyle larson's taking over uh william byron gets a uh, a third crew chief in his career and he's still 
going to be mediocre, just funny, but then he bangs out Ryan Blaney's sis- uh, sister, um, and he's daddy's money, and he's still a tool. Um, and then you have the champion who doesn't believe in masks and uh, doesn't believe in COVID, William Clyde Elliott II, uh, trying to defend his title, trying to get a Daytona 500 to join his father as a Daytona 500 champion. It's kind of angling that way. That would be a good story. I think the story is going to start with Hendrick Motorsports here uh, early in the week at uh, Daytona. Between the the race tomorrow night on the road course, first time the Bush Clash will be on the road course, I don't know what the weather, I haven't checked the weather recently, but um, I mean, at this point, you just pick Chase and you pick Clyde and and you go from there. If it isn't Clyde, you're going to pick a Joe Gibbs racing car, I would say, but um, I'm going to throw to you, Josh, first. Let's, let's go into the, let's go into the clash before we kind of get really deep into the regular season um and the qualifying and getting rid of this this season uh your thoughts on the clash tomorrow being on the road course um people that we should be looking for and i guess we could go and make our picks early yeah i mean i think for the clash tomorrow uh, i think you know the thing to kind of compare in years past is obviously the past clash races have you know turned into wreck fest I mean, last year was probably like the worst one of them all in terms of the crashing and all of that. Uh, I mean, you know, it's been that's kind of what it's turned into is just a demo derby. I mean, it's even you know worse than the points races, I guess you could say. But I think you're gonna have to see like if if they crash as many cars or or have the same type of carnage on the road course race uh, compared to the super speedway race and. And, I um, mean, I think it's going to be a lot different, uh, maybe a little bit cleaner. Um, I mean, there's still be the short track element that kind of stock cars bring to road course racing. But I think for the most part, it's going to be a, a lot more procedural than uh, the clashes that we've seen in the past couple of years. So I think, you know, you'll see it. it's going to be a different type of racing for sure. So I think, you know, it's, it's going to be an exciting race I, well i don't know if exciting but it's definitely gonna be interesting and and different for sure um i mean you can't go wrong with chase elliott i mean he's won the past like six road course races and and you know six of his wins have come on road courses in, in his career so far and i mean it's pretty impressive and uh you know he's got a little bit of experience i mean well everybody does now but i mean he i guess he gets a little bit extra practice being in the uh, rolex 24 from a couple weeks ago so i mean he's definitely got an advantage there but i mean you also have to look at the other cars too that could be competitive and i mean you have to look at guys like uh, martin Truex jr denny hamlin i mean both of them solid road course racers uh, throughout their careers and both of them finished pretty well uh the last time around when they raced at the road course back in august um at uh here but i think i think for those three guys i mean those are the ones that i would look out for um i mean joey logano also did pretty well uh at the road course last time around um i mean even maybe somebody like ty Dillon could make some noise too uh in at at the clash tomorrow night so it's definitely gonna be an interesting race um 
I mean, I'm going to stick with uh, Chase Elliott. I mean, you can't go wrong with the the hot hand. I mean, he's he's been pretty good um, on these tracks, and I mean, I just can't see anyone else, uh, uh, you know, winning this race besides him. But I mean, it'll be an interesting event for sure. Yeah, I mean, Clyde is is definitely the the uh, favorite going into tomorrow. He won the Daytona road course uh, last summer. Uh, he was, and then Hendrick Motorsports in recent years has become a road course-centric uh, team uh, in regards to being able to close there. And um, it will be hard to pick against them. I mean, just going based on, the results last August, it was a Hendrick car, two Gibbs cars, a Hendrick car, and then uh, Chris Busher, and then Clint Boyer, um, who will be calling the race tomorrow, Kaz Grala, who actually can drive instead of the guy that is driving that car, uh, Will Byron, Joey Logano. So you have guys that were in the race last year. Um, Eric Jones, of course, he'll be in the 43 car uh, tomorrow night, uh, starting this year before he's kind of hedging to um, him. And I think Tyler Reddick, a couple other people are hedging for a specific ride at a major team. So, uh, uh, Phil, I want to go and throw to you. you. We go and think about uh, this field. Uh, the starting lineup is out. Uh, Blaney and Bowman will be on the front row. Blaney's not known as a great road racer, but Bowman is. Hamlin has done work. We talked about it just now. Keselowski, the Penske team has struggled on road courses here recently. What will they bring to the table uh, tomorrow night, knowing that they have to go and uh, show up here in a couple of weeks and run this racetrack for points? Will Byron, Tyler Reddick, row three, Clyde and Cole Custer, row four, the defending rookie of the, the rookie of the year, Eric Jones in the 43 car, and uh, Logano in row five, Nonek and uh, D Burrito in row six, Chris Busher in the Fastenal Ford, and Ty Dillon in the debut for 2311, Root Insurance Toyota, and um, he didn't declare for, so he's declaring for Xfinity points. That's something. Um, well, it makes sense because there's no guarantee he's going to have a job after Daytona Road Course anyway in the Cup Series. The Bush brothers will be on row eight. Harv and Truax in row nine. Austin Dillon and O. Richard in the inbred row. And then Eric Almarillo. uh Brings up tailback, as Rusty would say. So I got multiple Rusty Wallace references in one shot there. <laughs> um, I mean, when when it comes to this race right here, I mean, it, we don't know. It's not the usual Bush clash all these years, run on the oval, they go and wreck half the field. It's probably going to be a pretty straightforward deal, but. You have a short, you have short segments. I don't know how much strategy really comes into play here. 
obviously there's 200 plus thousand dollars to win it doesn't really matter to a lot of these guys it may matter to ty dillon a couple other guys in this field maybe eric jones but for most of these guys like 200,000 doesn't matter cuz they're making that much money anyway like what is to i i I'll, I I mean to to you like what is this really going to be tomorrow is it going to be a processional formula 1 style you know single file deal or are these guys really going to go hard because they have to get notes for a couple weeks from now right um well, to me, I've pretty much kind of been under the impression that the first half of that race tomorrow is going to be everybody playing nice and basically like any normal bush clash. But for the second half, I guess whenever, because I'm not sure if they're doing it, I think staged or whatnot, but... um. I, I think then when they are say, oh, okay, we've got enough notes for next week, uh, you'll start seeing them start making different moves. Uh, pretty much, I've said that, and I've said all off season that Chase Elliott is probably probably the best bet to win it. Uh, it's gonna, I guess, depend on the strategy if they are gonna. You know, if they have to make that pit stop or not. But, um, you know, uh, like you say, Bowman is good on road courses. Uh, Blaney is not. You know, he kind of had one fall on his lap a couple years ago. But, uh, you know, when you look at that field, there are a bunch of guys that don't, you know, especially when it's not a points-paying race, they will press the issue, especially like a Keselowski or a Hamlin, you know, if, if there's money on the line, they're going to go for it. They don't care. You know, it's not a, you know, a, a point, like a, like you say, a points playing race. But these guys are going to, uh, like I say, they'll play fair for that first half of the race. But when it's time to go, just like any normal Bush class, you're going to see guys probably, uh, you know, putting people off course or, Hopefully, you know, we hope not, you know, uh, reckon on the, uh, the oval portions, but I don't know. You know, it's, it's a crapshoot, but, you know, like you say about guys like Ty Dillon, who are really, and, and I don't want to count Ty out because, you know, anything could happen in this race, but. I think more on his and they're just asking him to go out there, get notes for Bubba and, uh, you know, tell him what he saw. But there's still that opportunity for, you know, somebody to, you know, if, if the field wrecks, you'll end up with somebody that has a bunch of damage and win the race like Eric Jones did last year. But it's going to be interesting. I was a proponent of saying that they should have just did it like they used to do back in the old days, 10 laps, a break, and then another 10 laps. But, you know, they're going to give it a try on the road course this year. Maybe if it works out and they like it, they'll go ahead with it. If not, we'll be right back to the old way again. So, Yeah, I, um, I agree with you that they should just go back to the, 
it makes a lot of sense for for two hundred thousand to run twenty laps the way it is anymore. It it was it was a lot. They could be if they ran the old the way that they've been running the last few years, and they're running for two hundred thousand. It would have been way more interesting back in nineteen eighty or whatever, nineteen seventy whatever when they started this deal. But the 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 characters aren't as there aren't as interesting. The the cars aren't as uh, uh, likely to go and blow up or do crazy stuff. Uh, it's I, I mean, I thought there was going to be rain. There's there's going to be rain earlier in the day uh, tomorrow, and then they're probably going to get jet dryers out, which I wouldn't. I'd just leave them. Don't even bother to dry the track. F the fact that they're going to run most of the oval. Let them go and run rain tires and have to actually make strategy happen. Uh, that That would make it a lot more interesting. I'm sure it'll dry out anyway by the time they get to the race time. So it'll be clear, mostly uh, clear in regards to the race. And then qualifying is going to be going off no problem. It looks like the duels will go off fine. And then there's going to be problems getting the truck race in. uh, And the everything on Saturday, so that's a bummer. And uh, Sunday, yeah, f- yeah, so they're gonna be running Monday. So as it stands right now, the whole week, and then they're gonna have rain on Monday too. Oh, beautiful. So right now it's not looking good for any of the major racing, but the pre the 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 early stuff this week will be going off but um we'll keep track of that hopefully weather changes of course we got snow up here in new jersey every other day and basically and you know people want to deny global warming but um fundamentally when it comes to this bush clash it's william clyde elliott and everybody else uh, I would. I'm curious to see what the Gibbs guys do. Uh, you have Denny Hamlin after losing another championship, finishing fourth. What is he gonna do? He has. He's trying to do, get a three peat in the Daytona 500 uh, later this week or next by the end of this week. You have Martin Truex never won the 500 has had his moments on road courses, won road course races, and, uh, you know, second year with the with James Small and company, uh, Caitlin Vinci and What's-His-Face, what's they had their baby a few days ago, so um, he's um, happy running on some good mo. Um, you're talking about uh, Sherry, gotten through uh, one cycle of chemo so there's a lot of momentum going on there with the 19 crew new new spotter who wasn't a douche um, so at least he'll be a slightly more likable uh, Kyle Bush has a new crew chief so it's the first time with the new crew chief there and uh, so we'll see what they're able to do and uh, yeah I mean uh, will Penske bring better equipment 
to the road courses? Can Brad Keselowski actually contend? Can Ryan Blaney actually close for once? Uh, Joey Logano, he's going to do whatever he can to win a race. A former winner of this race. Brad's a former winner of this race. A lot of these guys are former winners of the freaking race. So uh, it'll be a different uh, bush clash than any time before. But in the end, they're probably going to run over each other the way they did at the end of that Xfinity race at the Daytona Road Course or at the end of the the race at Charlotte and the Xfinity They'll just run over each other, so it is what it is. Um, I think we go over from that to qualifying and the uh, entry list for the Daytona 500. There's going to be 44 cars for 40 spots, so 36 cars locked in, eight open spots. Uh, you, In terms of the open cars, uh, for the the race, so they have to qualify either on time or make it in through the the duels. Garrett Smithley will be in the number 13. That'll be uh, Ford MBM Motorsports car long. Kaz Gralla in the College Racing number 16. Uh, they they have sponsorship for that deal. It's a full funded deal there. Austin Sindrick. Team Penske, number 33, a Verizon car, basically what Will Power is going to be running in IndyCar series there. David Reagan, front row motorsports, number 36. Ryan Priest for JTG Doherty will be running an open car because they lost their charter uh, because of Doug Stringer and all the other convoluted BS. The number seven car basically is what the 37 car used to be Noah Gregson uh, will be driving the uh, car that Brendan Gaughan has been driving for the last few years and uh, it would be cool to see him end up on his lid the way that uh, Brendan did but not in the front in the back uh, Timmy Hill uh, favorite here uh, Maryland guy, so uh, I'm sure Phil is a fan, and I'm both Phils are a fan of Timmy Hill. Uh, boot, boots good boogie all day with the MBM Motorsports Ford. A uh, good uh, friend of mine works on the team. Uh, he'll be trying to make the race. He had a good car last year in the 500 before it got destroyed. And uh, Ty Dillon. We'll be running a uh, Bass Pro Shops uh, car on uh, trying to make the race on time. Definitely not going to make it on time uh, if they don't have a Gibbs engine or TRD engine. But um, they'll uh, try to make it and uh, Gaunt Brothers Racing. So those are the open cars. And um, I'll start with you, Phil. In regards to the front row. Because that's really all we're determining on Wednesday night. Uh, who do you think will be on the front row? And uh, if it doesn't include an, an open driver, who do you think locks in uh, Wednesday night 
into the 500 uh, on time. Well, let's see. Uh, as far as the front row goes, uh, it's either going to be one or two things. We're going to get somebody we didn't expect, like maybe a Stenhouse, uh, or we're going to possibly have you know, another Hendrick front row where it could be, uh, yeah, it could be Byron and Bowman or it could be Byron and Chase. Uh, the thing is, I, and like I've said, I've, I've kind of not been high on, uh, Kyle Larson's experience on super speedways. I mean, possibility he could get up and be on the pole, but you know, uh, you gotta know how to drive Daytona and, you know, except for a few times in the Xfinity series, uh, he hasn't really shown me in the cup series that he can, but, uh, it's either that, or we're going to get, you know, a, a Penske front row, or we'll get a Joe Gibbs front row because when we seem to see one car, one set of cars do good, uh, they follow behind each other. Um, you know, I, I guess the one thing to look out for, maybe look out for uh, Bubba Wallace or, you know, someone with an alliance. I mean, there's a good chance you never know. You might even see Cendric get up there. That would be something interesting because that makes it even more harder for somebody to, uh, somebody else that needs to lock in on time or, you know, but... I don't know. It, it's like I've always said, that's a crapshoot as much as the race is. Really, you're only, you know, whoever's the fastest after two laps and then everything behind you, but you still have to make it through Thursday night. And uh, I don't know. I, I would say my favorites right now only because it just has seemed like it the past few years. It's going to be somebody in a Chevrolet. Uh, you know, whether it's RCR or if it's uh, Hendrick Horsepower up there. I'm not sure if they've started their uh, engine package thing yet together that they were supposed to be working on. I don't know if that's for next gen or if it's for part of this year. So uh, that's going to be something to watch as well. But, um, yeah, it's not that, you know, Toyotas or uh, Fords, don't qualify well at super speedways because they do, but they seem to be able to be around and work together when it's time for the race to end. Whereas, you know, team Chevy, we qualify well, and then just somehow everything just seems to fall apart in the race. But, um, like I say, I'd probably lean towards a Hendrick front row, Either that or, you know, uh, JTD, yeah, probably Stenhouse again and maybe Bowman on the outside. So uh, that's that's what I got. <laughs> Interesting call there. I would, I would have, uh, I, I like the call on the JTG side and the Hendrick. I, and I'll give my call here in a, in a few moments, but uh, Josh, what are you thinking in regards to 500 qualifying? It's one of the only races we're going to have at least until we, we have cleared certain things where there's going to be qualifying actual qualifying. And 
uh, unlike most Daytona, every Daytona 500 probably ever, uh, it's only going to be a day before uh, the duels instead of a week or whatever the heck it is. So um, what are you looking at in regards to 500 qualifying for the front row and who can uh, lock in in regards to the open cars? Yeah, I mean, I think I have to agree with Phil on the possibility of a Hendrick front row. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like the Hendrick cars, because like last year, Ricky Stenhouse put the car on the pole and then Alex Bowman uh, qualified second and they're they're both uh hendrick engines there so i mean it, you know as long as they got the hendrick engine supplier uh, i mean I, I feel like the jtd cars are just as much of a threat as the hendrick cars so it'll be interesting to see i mean i think you know bowman's been pretty good and i think he could easily lock in to either the pole or uh second place uh, it seems like the last couple of years he's made it onto the front row uh, Chase certainly is a possibility as well, uh, and so is William Byron. Uh, you know, they any of them I think could make the front row uh, there. And then you know, like for other teams, I mean, if if Ford makes it, it's uh, going to be a Penske car. It'll be uh, Joey Logano or uh, Ryan Blaney uh, on the front row. I, I feel like Keselowski isn't quite as good on super speedway qualifying, uh, and I you know I think uh, it'll likely be a if if it's Ford it'll you know likely be a, a Joey Logano or um uh Ryan Blaney. I mean maybe the Wood brothers come and surprise us like uh they kinda did a couple of years ago. They they had some I remember like several years ago they had some pretty fast times in practice leading up to qualifying. So you know maybe Matt De Benedetto somehow puts it on the front row. But I mean I can only see that happening if the Fords come out and they're all fast. Uh, together so i think you know that'll be interesting to see um and i mean you have to also consider the stewart haas cars uh on the super speedways but i mean i feel like the that organization like as far as just uh super speedways go um they're not really like that fast i feel like they're better like in race trim than they are qualifying and then uh, toyota is you know like the Gibbs cars, I mean, they're certainly a threat. I mean, we could see maybe somebody like Denny Hamlin uh, on the front row or uh, uh, Martin Truex and maybe Kyle Busch. I mean, I would be, um, you know, surprised. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, like, if Bubba Wallace, like, posted a top 10 time or a top 5 time, even even if he gets in the top 2 so, I mean, I think all, all the major teams from each of the makes, you know, all have a decent chance of getting the pole. But, you know, I think as far as the open teams go, um, I think you kind of have to start looking at it from, like, who's going to lock in and then work your way down to who probably is going to be looking on the outside uh, looking in. And, I mean, I think Cendric, uh in the 33, I think he's likely a lock as long as, like, a failure doesn't happen you know, mechanically or um he wrecks or something like that i, I think he, he'll easily lock into the field um if, you know penske's is going to make sure that his times are consistent with the rest of the team so i think you'll probably see uh him lock in as well um uh i think maybe a team like uh colleague racing i think 
they're likely to probably lock in. Um, I mean, they they've had pretty reputable success on the super super speedways on the past in the Xfinity series. So I, I think they probably have the next best shot at locking in uh, there. Uh, Ryan Priest also, I mean, they're Hendrick engines too. So, I, you know, the 37, even though they're open points, like, I mean, still uh, under the same roof as uh, Stenhouse, and Stenhouse is a good qualifier, so I'm sure they'll help him out. And they, like I said, they've got Hendrick Power too. And then probably David Reagan, uh, you know, front row uh, with the Fords. I think they're definitely going to have a good shot at making it in on time. Uh, I think they'll all have a kind of a coordinated effort to kind of get in the race, I think, with the Ford side. Uh, So I think those are the guys that will lock in. And then I think the rest of the guys like uh, Gregson in the 62, uh, Timmy Hill, uh, uh, the other guys like, Garrett Smithley, I think, I think they'll all be on the outside looking in, going into the duels on Thursday, uh, and I think the fight for the open spots should be interesting uh, to see it play out on uh, on the duels. Yeah, the duels have been pretty mediocre for a few years, so um, unlike unlike recent years, it'll actually be interesting on Thursday. Uh, it's gotten to a point where the Thursday races used to be uh, really awesome and a big part of uh, the buildup, but they haven't had that in a while. And with the restriction of field size, I mean, I guess it's a good thing that they have a 40 car field now because otherwise it wouldn't be all that interesting. Uh, But it uh, I, I I agree with you, Josh, on these open cars. There's honestly to me, the open field starts with Ryan Priest. It's not a northeast bias either that uh, kicks in because, you know, O Richard went and won the poll last year in the 47 car and JTG Doherty is basically hedging everything on like every other team that's open, but more the 37, they, they probably are selling out to go and get a front row spot here more than any other team. Cause they're trying to run the full season. They only have 24 races sponsored here. Um, do I think that Ryan Priest is going to win a poll? No. I think there's going to be a Chevy front row. And I think Ryan Priest is the most likely open person to go and get on the front row, and he'll get number two. Um, the only other person that I see that's an open car that could possibly get out there and make a front row is Cindric Gumby goes out there, wins an Xfinity title, beats Briscoe, who was generally the better driver across the season, goes and wins that race at Phoenix, goes and puts himself in a spot where he's going to eventually be in a full Penske car, of course, because his dad runs Penske uh, racing. 
the fact of the matter is Sindrick making his cup debut, they're going to put him in a spot that he can go and make the show. Whether it makes the front row or makes it on speed, he's going to make it in on speed. So I think it's those two guys for sure. Those are two guys. And then Kaz Grala with Colic, who's the most likely owner to go and move into the Cup Series here in 2021, whether it's with one or two charters. Um, with Kaz Grala, who's one of the best young shoes, he's a Massachusetts guy. They have fast race cars. They win super speedway races. They know how to handle the super speedways on the Xfinity side. It's a totally different deal in the cup side, but you look at uh, Justin Haley, J.J. Haley. He went out there in the 500 last year, and he was pretty good until, I think, 25 laps to go. Um, it's, it's a thing. If you get in the show, you have a chance. So Kaz Grala, good, solid shoe. They they have a chance. I think it's those three guys. Those are the three drivers that, to me, are the three best open cars. And it would be shocking to me if any of those three guys missed the show uh, for Sunday in uh, regards to the Daytona 500, whether they make it on time, whether they make it in their duels, or they make, like, it would be hard for me to believe that any of those three guys miss the show because I think those are the three best cars. After that, you're, you're just basically playing with, you're flipping a coin after that. I, I Ty Dillon has the most experience out of the rest of that crew. Uh, you you have Timmy Hill, who's a grinder. Gregson, who has a solid car, but he does dumb things. David Reagan, who's won two cup races. And um, depending on how things lay out in qualifying, he might get help from teammates. Uh, you know, like that's that's really where things are. Smithley's not going to make the show. Um if if Smithley if Gareth Smithley miss makes a show, I'll donate money to some good charity because he fucking sucks. Um, and it's not because I hate MBM Motorsports. I I'm a MBM Motorsports fan, but Gareth Smithley sucks. Um, I mean I'd bang his girlfriend, but he sucks. Um, he other than Quinn Hoff and. Other than Quinn Hoff, he's he, and Joey Gase. I mean, basically anybody who drives for Rick Ware Racing, including uh, including Derek Cope. Uh, there, he's probably the worst driver in this field uh, for sure. So we'll go from um, slagging drivers to uh, I, I'm going to go to this side. We'll go and talk about who's going to be the breakout driver here in 2021. And we'll talk about, we'll do three things. Breakout driver, rookie of the year. And I, I'll just put it out there, regular season champion. So 
we'll do a three-part deal here, and you can kind of explain why. Who's going to be the breakout driver? Who's going to be the rookie of the year? And who do you look at in terms of regular season champion by and leading into they'll be running the Coke Zero 400 as the uh, regular season finale? Um, who's going to be leading after 26 weeks and getting that bonus for um, leading after 26 weeks? I'm going to throw to you, Josh, first before I throw to Phil and then I give my thoughts. So I think. The breakout driver, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Alex Bowman. Uh, I think he's got a lot of big shoes to fill going from the 88 to the 48. And I think um, they they had some good runs last year, but they weren't um, consistent like throughout most of like the uh, summer. And then they kind of got back in it uh, once the playoffs happened. But I think... They've got another year under their belt, and I, th- I think at some point the success from the nine car is going to trickle over to the rest of the hanger, uh, the hinder cars, and I think he's probably well primed uh, to uh, make a, a breakout run this year and maybe grab a couple of wins. So I'm gonna go with Bowman there. Uh, as far as rookie of the year goes, uh, I think it's pretty obvious it's going to be Chase Briscoe. I mean, he's First of all, he's in a, a car that's way better than what Anthony Alfredo is driving. Uh, and I, I think on most weekends, he's going to be significantly faster and should put up way more statistics that should uh, help him get the rookie of the year. I mean, all he needs to do is win a race and uh, m- make it into the playoffs. Uh, I mean, uh, Anthony Alfredo is not going to have that opportunity that many times unless he does what Cole Custer did last year or he wins on a super speedway so i think it's likely going to be chase briscoe being the rookie of the year and i think regular season champion uh that i think is uh it's that's a tough one i think i mean i i could see harvick uh improving uh or not improving but taking it again uh i mean it, it could be somebody like hamlin uh, you know, somebody like Truex, I, I think Harvick is still the best driver overall in the series. So I'm, I'm going to go with Harvick there on the regular season. Harv isn't a bad uh, call there. Uh, he, that's a safe shot. He's acting like he's forgotten about shitting the bed after winning nine races. He's uh, been watching Keelan win go-kart races, so hey. He has to perform because his son can drive race cars, too. And Delana is probably freaking out because her son's going to be a professional race car driver. Um, Phil, I'm going to throw to you. uh, What are your thoughts on uh, all these uh, breakout star for 2021? and we're, I mean, I guess the rookie battle is kind of a throwaway, uh, probably a biased question on my part. I, I, I threw it out there because I give it, I give fast pasta, uh, credit. He took the ride. John Hunter didn't want to be there. He went and went backwards thinking he's thinking about the future. Fast pasta took the ride. He's a good shoe, but it's front row motorsports. Uh, but 
in regards to those two questions and also regular season champion for uh, this uh, 2021 Cup Series season. Yeah, so um, let's see for breakout. I don't know. There's so many. There were so many moving pieces this year, which was, I guess, not to be as expected as we thought. But uh, you know, we've got Eric Jones over in the 43. You got Bubba starting with uh, 2311. You know. There's going to be some, I think, growing pains in both situations. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you can see maybe Cole Custer continuing on uh, from what he did last year. Um, You know, even though he only, you know, he even though he had that one win, you know, results were up and down. But there's a a good chance that he could uh, expand on that. Uh, but as far as breakout, maybe it's time for, you know, even though last year was his rookie year, I think maybe you can look at a Christopher Bell. Uh, you know, he's going to be officially in some Joe Gibbs equipment. You know, last year was what it was with uh, Levine or Levine, however you pronounce his last name. But um, I could see him breaking out, maybe getting a win. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be, you know, because a lot of people keep saying, you know, it's going to be between him and Larson when we get to the dirt race at uh, Bristol. But, you know, I could see him maybe winning his first race this year. He's set up to to do that. Uh, I'm, like you say, uh, about the uh, rookie of the year battle. I'd probably lean towards Alfredo as well. Like you say, you know, taking a ride that, you know, John Hunter, he got the most out of those cars. You know, he had good finishes, had some bad finishes, and that was part of his growing pains. Uh, I think going backwards for him, I I, I don't know uh, if that's exactly going to work out for him, especially if, you know, the line of thinking is, oh, if he goes and drives for KBM in the trucks, He's going to be able to come up, you know, maybe and run that second 2311 car if they decide to go for that next year. But I feel like what with Ty doing what he's doing tomorrow night uh, and then still staying within the Toyota camp, uh, that would probably, you know, they probably may want to go with someone a little bit more known in that situation. Uh, you know, dealing with two young, relatively young guys in uh, in uh, Bubba and someone like a John Hunter, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't know if that's going to end too well. But uh, I will probably say Anthony Alfredo is going to be the rookie of the year, and what it's going to be, he's he's really just got to keep those cars in one piece, and you know. Uh, front row has come, I guess, so far from being what seemed to be almost like a starting park team at one point. But you know, they they're they're in contention when you go to a, a super speedway track, especially at Talladega where they won before. So it's a 
you know, it's a chance that, you know, he'll probably get a couple of top tens, at least through the super speedway races, but he's going to go through his growing pains. But honestly, it's uh slim pickings out there. So it seems like he'll be the person that I would expect to win uh, rookie of the year. As far as the regular season champion, I'm saying it's going to come down to between Harvick and uh, Denny as well. Uh, maybe uh, see, I, I see Chase Elliott is more of a closer in this situation. He's going to get into the playoffs and then he'll turn on the consistency. Whereas, you know, you go out and win eight or nine races in the early part of the season and, you know, you kind of rest on your, uh, on your points till you get to the playoffs or you, at least you get to when it's time to time to go and those guys aren't uh you know they're rushing to try to make up what they kind of laid back on in the early rounds of the playoffs but uh i would probably if i had to pick i'd probably say harv will do it again but it's gonna depend on has the has the rest of the garage area caught up to Stuart haas or caught up and also to uh, JGR uh, with the way Hammond was going on with. But, you know, being a regular season champion so far hasn't shown that, you know, it's going to equate to you winning the championship. So it'll be an exciting thing. But I feel like I'm going to go with Harvick. So those are my picks for everything. Yeah, I mean, in uh, regards to the, I'll I'll go backwards here. In regards to the regular season, I'm going to go a little different here. I will take MTJ, uh, stage winner MTJ, going like Clayton Hughes, who's not going to be able to say any of that because he's with Michael McDowell, which is awesome. Uh, because you don't ever have to hear it from Clayton Hughes ever again. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that Martin Truex goes, and now that him and James Small have figured things out, they're gonna be able to go and take on the regular season, deal with the stages, go and do what they have to do, and go and win that regular season title. And uh, we'll see how that works out in regards to um, the uh, in in terms of how the championship goes. Uh, rookie battle. Uh, if you listen to this show, for the few people that do listen to this show, I'm a Chase Briscoe Mark. I'm a 14. Stuart Haas Racing Mark, because of who originally drove the 14 Stuart Haas Racing car. And um, it's not just because he gets a pork a chick that drives 330 miles an hour, and he goes and drives a 410 Sprint car. Um, but Chase Briscoe's a great guy himself, and he's he's made this he's 
he's been a, he's been a grinder and he drives midget sprints the whole thing his dad drove uh world of outlaws he's a good kid as josh said um it's really difficult to believe that chase is going to get beat by a front row motorsports car even though fast pasta is a good shoe and he's gone through it so in regards to stories for what they've went through to get to this spot the chase briscoe um anthony alfredo rookie battle is probably one of the best ones there's been in a very long time in regards to driving talent and what there's going to happen uh i think chase briscoe like his buddy uh cole custer uh he's gonna be able to go and do something very early on this season and uh basically dictate what the rookie battle ends up being because it's not about a full season deal you go and win one race even though you may not be the best rookie over the entire season um you can go and uh finish the deal I think Chase is going to be able to do work early in the season and basically make it to where Anthony Alfredo is going to have to have a Hail Mary at like Talladega or the Coke Zero 400 to possibly uh, make it a battle. So there's that. And I mean, when it comes to. I'm trying to think in regards to what we're going to see here in 2021. Um, Just give me a second here. Well, while you're doing that, I just want to say I kind of forgot that. I don't know how I forgot, but I forgot that Chase Briscoe was running. So, (laughs) well, (laughs) I'm going to change my pick <laughs> to chase briscoe yeah was... i don't know how i forgot <laughs> it's it's good i mean you're you can admit that but i was wondering when you said out anthony alfredo i was like what is i mean i mean it's okay i mean i mean you know we you have to have a one dissenter you know i mean you can't i guess not everybody has to agree but i mean it would be interesting if um uh, Anthony Alfredo um, did actually win Rookie of the Year. I mean, hey, Chase Briscoe could have a bunch of struggles, and then Alfredo just gets lucky, like um, like he talked about for or like what we had last year with uh, uh, Cole Custer and everything. But you know, I mean, I think Chase Briscoe is definitely uh, the favorite going in, and I think most weekends, like I said, he'll be finishing way higher than Alfredo would. But, I mean, Alfredo's a solid driver, and you know this is just a stepping stone to wherever he is going to end up in his career. Um, you know, he's a definitely a talented driver, and I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if in a few years he's in one of the better rides in the Cup Series as long as uh, he uh, you know keeps it clean and everything and doesn't make too many mistakes and has solid sponsorship. Yep, and what like you guys are saying about. Uh... You know, about um, Chase 
Yeah, it's, you know, the last couple of seasons, well, not last couple of seasons, but last year, you know, mentally it was tough on him with everything that was going on with his family. And, you know, I guess it's more of a, of a new change and a new, uh, a new chance for him. Cause you know, he showed off in the races that he won last year and in the season before, uh, you know, he was good. And a car that, you know, maybe Stuart House may not have, you know, considered to be one of their best Xfinity cars in a stable because he had Cole Custer with him. But, uh, you know, uh, like I say now, you know, I really do think Chase probably is going to bring it home. Uh, but he's going to have, like any young driver, he's going to have growing pains. He's going to have those times where... You know, drivers aren't going to be as easy trying to pass them. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's going to be a, a, a interesting rookie battle, like you said. Uh, yeah, it, it's just uh, if if he can if he can put it all together and keep it consistent, keep it out of the wall. Uh, you know, maybe this race is closer than we think it's going to be. But uh, like I say, I, I am officially aboard the uh, Chase Briscoe, uh, you know, the the Chase Briscoe train. So, Well, that's good because I'm, I've been on the Chase Briscoe train for a while going Back to the Arca series uh, when he drove for Clayton Cunningham and uh, a gentleman, a scholar, one of the best people ever in racing, Clayton Cunningham, who owned the Nissan uh, GTS cars. Uh, it's for what uh, Chase had to do to make it here. It's it's um it's part of the reason why I'm a fan. I'm a mark. I it's probably the main reason why I still care about NASCAR. Um, if I hadn't found uh, Chase as a fan, I probably wouldn't care as much. But the fact that his story, what he's gone through, who he is, and everything. His his father's grandfather, that whole entire history, um, how he met his wife. I mean, everything about Chase is probably part of the reason why I'm going to still be a NASCAR fan, along with the fact that we have this show. Uh, but for me, watching this 500 it's probably the first 500 in a while that I've really looked forward to, even though I know it's going to be a demo derby, even though I know more than likely chase is going to get wrecked. Um, I haven't looked forward to a 500 like this in a long time. Um, it's probably going back to when Tony was in the race and it's going probably 2011, 2012, around those around there uh, was the last time I really looked forward to the 500 and he figured out a way to shit the bed in big spots. Uh, but he knows how to do it in the bed. So, Hey, 
it is what it is. When you're as good as Tony Stewart is, you can go and do it in multiple spots, and he he knows how to go and he knows how to do the Sukula Mink. So hopefully uh, Chase Briscoe does the Sukula Mink on the racetrack and basically gives me a heart attack because my favorite driver hasn't won the Daytona 500 since 1992, uh, which was uh, the great, late, great Davey Allison. And um, whether it's Chase or Bradley, Baba Bowie, it, either way, I'll take it. Um, I, I would also sign for, I'd co-sign for Bubba Wallace so that we could go and eradicate a certain segment of society because if Bubba Wallace wins a Daytona 500, it would be one of the greatest things that happens to motorsports, and it would eradicate a, a portion of society that needs to be eradicated. So um, that's my kind of like DL. I want Bubba to win. I think Bubba's going to win this year. Um, that's not my breakout star. I think the breakout star is Chris Bell because he has Adam Stevens as his crew chief. Adam Stevens and Chris Bell together, I, I, I mean, it's it's going to be a problem. Once they figure each other out and what each other needs or what Chris Bell needs in a race car, and once Adam Stevens figures out, I mean, just just coast, just sign it off. I I mean to me he's a he's a a, a possible regular season champion because the two years he's in Xfinity he won the regular season title and he still figured out his shit to bed but you have a crew chief that's been able to refine and manage a guy who is one of the biggest hotheads in the history of sport, um, a guy who you could compare to, let's just say, Terrell Owens. I don't know. Think about guys who are really mentally not strong, but are absolute freaks of nature. And he was able to get Kyle Busch to win all those races from... June of 2015 on till last year and go and win two championships. It's something that Joe Gibbs, Rev Gibbs, he's a great legendary Hall of Fame head coach. I wonder how that call to go and move Adam Stevens off the 18 pit box will work. I think that's an underrated story that we have to look at in regards to this NASCAR Cup Series season um, and what will happen for sure. Um, Because, I mean, Kyle Busch has got whole kinds of things going on, whether it's his race team, whether it's trying to have another baby, all these different things going on. Have we seen the best of Kyle Busch? Or is there something else that's going to come along? You know, you think about his brother and the end of his career, or what it's going to happen with his career. 
people have always underrated Kurt Busch, and people have always kind of no soul Kurt Busch. Can he go and show up? It's kind of underrated story too. Um, regular season champion. I'm thinking Martin Truex, uh, honestly, because of I said it earlier. He's he's a guy that once he kind of got comfortable, he was able to he he got over the short track deal. He never won short tracks. He's won at short tracks. He's good on road courses. He's a cookie cutter master. James Small. He's 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 got no filter. It's kind of my kind of guy. It's part of what unfiltered both of us, uh, me and Phil, were both unfiltered too. The fact of the matter is, James Small. I I feel like this second year, uh, the way everything is, they'll be able to show up and do what they have to do. And of course, Harvick will be there as a favorite, and we will see. But you know, Daytona. Is this weekend qualifying all these things? Daytona 500. We'll talk about it here on the GSP White Silk Racing Show. We'll have it as well for Phil. Um, I mean, Josh is probably going to do some Daytona sim racing uh, this week and try to do some work there. Um, in regards to uh, some of the other storylines. I'm going to throw to you first, Josh. Like going into uh, the Xfinity series, you know, we have Gumby Sindrick as the defending series champion, uh, but it's a pretty it's 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 a deep series. And you you think about college racing, they have Justin Haley, they have. Uh, um, Jeb Burton, AJ Adder Allmendinger, and his smoking hot wife. They're all running full time. You have Brett Moffitt running for our motorsports. And, uh, of course, Junior Motorsports with their whole deal with all the guys, also Rans and Ever Willbees. Um, uh, Ryan Sieg running a Ford this year. Um, and of course, Joe Gibbs with, uh, or you got, or I'm, I'm passing in regards to Ford, you have um, Riley Herbst driving a 98, and then you have, along with Ryan Teague, and then you have, in terms of Toyota, Daniel Hamrick, you have, uh, trying to remember the rest of the guys on Joe Gibbs Racing. But um, who are you looking at in regards to this 2021 Xfinity Series season as the most likely person that will go and uh, your pick for the title here in 2021? Well, I mean, it's easy to say that the Xfinity Series is going to be dominated by Austin Sindrick. I mean... He won the title last year and somehow managed to figure it out on the ovals and and all that success that he had last year. But at the same time, 
you know, I I feel like, you know, it, there's possibility for other drivers as well. Um, I think Noah Gregson could potentially be somebody that challenges Cindric uh, next year. Uh, Almendinger, uh, Justin Haley, Jeb Burton, all all of those guys in the, the college team. I mean, they're not really on the same level as Penske, but they're very close to it, and they can, uh, you know, there are races where they can certainly beat the Penske uh, team there. And, uh, I mean, I think Almendinger could have a solid season in Xfinity being a, a full-time driver. Uh, Hemrick also, I think, is a, a guy that I feel like, you know, he might be a little bit underrated being like him coming from the eight car and having some solid opportunities or solid races there. And, you know, he had the opportunity of the eight car in 2019 with RCR and over in cup, uh, which I mean, wasn't really that great um, to be honest, but I, I feel like, you know, he's in a Joe Gibbs car and he'll be full time uh, in the series. And I think this is the best opportunity for him to really, uh, show everyone what he's got so i think you know hemrick could definitely be another guy that challenges and you know so can somebody like brandon jones who you know i can't believe he won three races last year and and um i mean he you know he could come out of nowhere and win a couple and be there at the end of uh the championship uh you know i think harrison burton too also is somebody that uh, could challenge austin Cindric. i mean he had a couple of race victories last year as well and i mean i feel like for the you know the first part of the season you know he had a pretty good streak going with top tens uh in xfinity and i don't remember if he had the record or not for like most top tens to start a season but um i mean he was in the running for something like that but you know harrison burton certainly a, a very talented driver as well and i mean i expect him to probably have a, a couple of race victories and uh, at least through the regular season uh i mean i think for the the xfinity series i mean i think your top contenders for the title are probably going to be uh Cindric, uh burton and then gregson i think i think those three guys definitely going to be the the favorites to watch uh, throughout the season i mean i think i wouldn't be inaccurate to say that uh those guys will likely be the so-called big three that uh, the series has had in the past. Like it was um, uh, Reddick and, uh, you know, Briscoe and, um, I mean, Cindric. I mean, all of those guys have been the big three in the past. And, I mean, I think this year it's going to be um, Cindric, uh, uh, Harrison Burton, and then Gregson there. So it's going to be a very deep series, uh, and, but at the same time, you know, it, it's also somewhat underrated, I feel like. Yeah, I think the Xfinity series after the last few years with you think about the rookie battle that we had last year in the Cup Series with Reddick, Cole Custer, Chris Bell. They've been in this series last couple of years. People underrated it last year. Yeah, Chase Briscoe, you had Austin Sindrick who ended up winning a championship. You to think about the guys and the colleague cars, um, of course, Ross Chastain, who's going to be in the 42 car this year. Justin Haley, who's likely going to be in a cup car next year in 2022. You, uh, what do you call it? Junior motorsports cars with 
Gagson and uh, Justin Allgaier and Michael Annette never will be and the star car and the eight car with different drivers this year we'll have um, Josh Berry early in the year and then you'll have um, uh, what's his name the uh, mayor uh, Sam Mayer will be in the car for most of the the season once he turns 18 uh, before he goes and makes his full-time uh, series uh, debut in 2022. He's a future star uh, for sure. And um, you'll think about uh, junior motorsports are probably angling towards 2022 for Sam Mirror with all the money he'll be able to bring to the table. But I'm looking forward to the Xfinity Series season because there's guys, there's underrated guys, grinders, smaller teams that have a chance to go and put themselves in a spot. Of course, Ryan Sieg uh, angled himself to go and get that uh, Ford Performance money. Uh, under the logic that Penske is going to leave. We don't know what uh, Herbst is going to do in the 98 car based on what he did. He's done in ARCA and even Xfinity or trucks. You don't think it's going to be a whole lot, but uh, Tony and Gene are not going to turn down the kind of money that uh, uh, Riley brings with the terrible Herps deal. So we will see. Uh, I'll transition into the truck series side. Uh, It's probably a little deeper series this year than in recent years. Um, You know, John Hunter Nemechek will be in a, a... Kyle Busch Motorsports truck. You have Door Sport basically saying the same, but the 98 truck is going to be split. So the best driver the last couple of years for Thor Sport is not going to be in a full-time ride in Grand Enfinger. I mean, you think about some of the other things that are going on in truck series. It's a deeper series. You think relative 10 drivers for the playoff, you know, versus 12 in Xfinity or even 16 in Cup, which is too much. But, Phil, throw to you thoughts on the truck series season and who do you look at as early favorites going into Daytona this weekend? Well, going into Daytona, uh, you kind of realize that that race is going to be a wreck fest like it normally is. It's a few things you can count on, you know, death taxes and the truck series race actually probably having more than one car flip over. We hope not. We hope everybody makes it through safely, but... Uh, as far as this weekend goes, it's probably either going to be a door sport truck. Good chance it could be a, uh, DGR truck. Um, but, I, I'm 
I'm more inclined to kind of say that it'll be, it's going to come down between uh, GMS and uh, Door Sport. Door Sport, you know, they got a bunch of changes going on this year. You know, Grant Enfinger's not running the whole season. Uh, you know, I think Rafael Lassard is coming over from KBM, I think. I'm not sure. I'm, I may just be spitballing it here, but um, it's going to be. Uh, interesting race, you know, you're going to have guys and girls because, you know, you have Jennifer Jokob and uh, Jennifer Jokob and uh, Haley Deegan. I'm not sure if Natalie Decker is running in this race, but, uh, you know, we're going to have some, uh, it's going to be a competitive race. And I think for the first time in a long time in the truck series, it's going to be competitive from, you know, from race one all the way to the end. Uh, But I can say for Daytona, GMS probably is going to break through. Now, who it's going to be, you know, your guess is as good as mine. You know, are we going to get, you know, Zane Smith? Well, also, too, in thinking about this, uh, you know, Nice Motorsports, you know, they've, they've got, you know, the, I guess, the the former truck series champion in Brett Moffat. So, you know, they have a chance where they can go out and uh, possibly win this race. So that's a good, I would say a good, uh, now that I thought about that, I could probably say that uh, Moffat is going to be, going to be up front and he's going to contend for the win. Uh, but, you know, you still have to watch out for last year's champion and Sheldon Creed. Uh, but it's going to come down to who can keep it straight and, and who doesn't screw up within the last, uh, you know, three to four laps. And also who makes it through the inevitable big one that will happen probably somewhere uh, middle of the race, not uh, either a little bit before halfway or shortly after it. So, uh, but I'm hedging on it probably being a GMS car, uh, a GMS car or a Nice car, anything with a Chevy at this point. But uh, you know, it's going to be exciting to see, and uh, you know, who knows, maybe one of the kids in the uh, DGR Crossley, well, not Crossley anymore, but the DGR stables, if they can, uh, you know, listen to their crew chiefs and, you know, not be in business for themselves, which, I mean, it's understood that you have to be at a place like Daytona sometimes, but, you know, just as long as they listen and uh, keep it in one piece, you know, it's really anybody's race to win. Uh except for maybe, you know, a few of the backmarker trucks that uh, we normally get, like a Norm Benning or somebody like that. But, hey, yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting. Uncle Norm Uncle Norm is, uh, even though he doesn't know where he is half the time, Uncle Norm's a good guy. I've met him at Pocono uh, for all that he's done or he's been around and to go and do it in basically a, a – uh, a shack in Pennsylvania, it's it's something compared to some of the other people that are in this sport, uh, people that have a passion for 
this sport. It's reason why we have our shows, whether it's the GSB for myself and Josh, the White Silk Racing uh, podcast and White Silk Racing show on YouTube for you, Phil. Um, it's kind of the same deal. It's a passion project. Um, but of course in uncle norm, he gets to go out there and race, even though it's kind of questionable what he's doing at some points. Um, the, this truck series deal is, it's hard to think. I mean, it's going to be a wreck fest. Uh, I agree with that, Phil, in terms of what we're going to see on Friday, if they're able to race, uh, in terms of uh, field and uh, entry, like they they're gonna be able to, uh, they probably won't release the field until a couple days from now. But even then, um, you know, the truck series race, 250 miles, 100 laps, stages I think are like 20, 20, and whatever, uh, 60. Uh, it's it's short stages. They kind of run over each other because they have the big ass spoilers and no horsepower. Um, you kind of have to look at the Thor Sports of the world with their experience with Crafton and Sauter and Grand Enfinger. You have to look at Kyle Busch Motorsports with John Hunter Nemechek, who has experience in uh, restrictor plate racing. But Josh, I'll throw to you. Uh, what are we looking for here on uh, Friday night in regards to the truck series uh, race? And kind of further than that, what are we looking for into this regular season battle? Yeah, I mean, I think for this race here, um, it's it's going to be an interesting race, and I feel like there's no real favorite, I guess, because the truck series is like there's a lot of a lot of uh, unknowns in the in the series. I mean, you have the uh, like Phil said, you have the Nice cars, you have Thor Sport, um, you have the GMS cars, and you know, I feel like with the the gms team like they've been the one of the best uh teams in the truck series uh over the last couple of seasons and i feel like you know the season um you know as the season goes on like they're going to be the team to beat throughout the entire year uh i mean you have uh sheldon creed uh who's going to continue to do what he did last year and uh win races and uh you know be robbie gordon jr and you know you've got zane smith in the 21 who um you know he had a lot of solid runs uh in 2020 and i you know expect him to continue to build on that and uh you know improve on that and be a, a more solid contender and then you i mean you have the smaller teams like uh, Austin Hill with Hattori Motorsports, and you know they're a single car team, but you know they've they've been a contender the last couple of years, and I I could see him going uh, and having a, a good run throughout the entire year, but uh, I think I think Friday uh, I, it's going to be a lot of moving parts, and um, I mean I 
I mean, there's going to be some uh, single-file racing, I feel like, throughout, uh, at least until the third stage. You know, they'll they'll have, like, the portions where they, you know, get up to the stage and it gets crazy as they start the fight for stage points. But then, you know, in the, the mid-portions of the first and second stage, they'll definitely probably get single-file to try to just make it to that uh, stage finish. And then uh, stage three is going to probably be pretty wild. And there's going to be a lot of aggressive racing, a lot of three wide uh, bump drafting and all that stuff that we see at super speedways. But, I mean, I, f- I feel like probably the the Chevys are probably the ones to look out for. I mean, I think, like I said, I think the uh, 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 GMS cars, uh, I think they're going to definitely uh, be the favorites uh, at, at the uh race on friday i think maybe you might see something from thor sport maybe kyle bush uh, motorsports car can uh make it up there but i i think for the most part it's probably going to be led uh or at least they're gonna have like a coordinated uh drafting effort i think with uh gms uh, possibly so i do think that the truck series race on friday will probably be the better race uh, between all the races on, you know, Saturday and Sunday. I mean, I feel like the trucks always have been entertaining uh, to watch and definitely better than the 500 and probably better than uh, Xfinity on Saturday. Yeah, truck series race is usually the best race of the uh, speed week itself. We will see what we have when the race actually takes place uh weather permitting um hopefully uh truck series race where i mean it's gonna be tighter you only have 10 drivers that make the show for the final uh the playoffs itself so it's gonna be a lot tighter in regards to relative uh, competitive vehicles that will be out there you have Haley Deegan that's going to get a lot of PR with Mike Hillman Jr. as a crew chief, likely rookie of the year uh, going on there, even though she's not that smart. She's a maggot and all that. Sheldon Creed trying to get another championship with GMS with Jeff Stankowitz as a crew chief. Um John Hunter with Eric Phillips there and Kyle Busch Motorsports, Jennifer O. Cobb. Uh, she has Danny Gill as a crew chief for Daytona, but doesn't have anybody for after that. Uh, Spencer Davis is going to be running full-time with Mike, Michael Shelton as a crew chief. Uh, Tate Fogelman will be moving to the number 12 uh, Young's Motorsports Chevy. Uh, full-time after running basically full-time in the 0-2. Uh, 0-2 becomes Chris Wright uh, uh, for his rookie year. Go and look at, you know, Sauter. I don't know how he has a job. I don't know how he has a job. Tanner Gray, uh, Austin Hill, Chandler Smith will be the 18 driver full-time with Danny Stockman, former uh, crew chief who's won truck and XNE titles with uh, Austin Dillon. 
So that means he's a pretty damn good crew chief. Derek Krause goes and gets Matt Noyce, uh, who moves from Thorsport to McAnally Hildeman. Kel- Kevin Bellacourt goes and moves to Spire in the Cup Series. All this thanks to uh, Jayski, uh, GMS. We have Chase Birdie, Raphael Lassard, Rackley War, Casey Pierce with Chad Kendrick, GMS, and Tyler Ingram as new crew chief, and, and, and Todd Gillen. Nothing changes there. Truex is going to be running full season for Nice. Dawson Cram, former. Uh, Former guest here on the GSP, be running at least part-time in the number 41, Carson Hosevar, in a full-time ride, Rhett Moffitt as well. So there will be three full-time Nice Motorsports trucks. Uh, Natalie Decker, it looks like she's moved to Xfinity, even though she's Natalie Decker. Uh, 51, Kyle Busch Motorsports truck, he announced his... Uh, races that will be running this year. Kyle Busch will be running the uh, race at Las Vegas, Atlanta, Richmond, Kansas, and then Pocono on the Saturday of the doubleheader. It will be his five truck series races that he will be running in 2021. Uh, so... That'll be something to see if he can go and add to his win total. Uh, after that, Thor Sport, you have to talk about they're going to be splitting their ride, basically. Uh, they'll be riding Toyotas this year. Um, and we'll go on from there. We'll see if the TRD engines give them a little more endurance than the... Uh, Ilmore 396s. Before we go tonight, we'll go and finish off with Super Bowl talk. Um, I'll throw to you, Phil, first thoughts on the game. You were on everything. You were talking about the, the game itself. You were talking about the commercials good bad uh, we'll do a good bad and the ugly which is something we do here on the gsp good bad and the ugly in regards to super bowl 55 to you phil spain okay yeah uh as far as good uh being able to have the super bowl was a good thing in itself for the nfl uh especially with what some uh, some sports had to do to even get started this year and to be able to play all, uh, you know, every game this season, uh, even though, you know, you had a bunch of different day postponements, uh, you didn't have where we had to go to a, you know, week 18 or a situation where uh, the NFL was going to be, you know, kind of, put the shame in saying, oh, well, this is why we shouldn't have done this, knowing what the uh, 
you know what 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 they've had to work against and the uh you know what i like to have seen it a little less crowded in there and i know most of the stuff was uh cardboard cutouts and all of that but uh you know for what it was last night it was basically just business as usual for the nfl i'm glad they got through this season uh, you know, we don't exactly know what this next season is going to hold as far as, uh, you know, are fans going to be allowed to go back to games? Are they going to have the opportunity, uh, you know, or, you know, are you going to have to be vaccined or, uh, you know, are we still going to be social distancing and it'll be up to the state on whether a game is played, uh, you know, played with fans. Uh, the Bad, I kind of want to say a lot of the commercials. And the reason I'll say that a lot of the commercials were bad was because too many companies, you know, they try, you know, as much as people tried to make commercials that were lighthearted and funny to kind of get your mind away, you still had those commercials that were, uh, you know, like the Jeep commercial where they were talking about unity and things like that. And it's like, uh, you know, we're a month removed from something happening here in the United States that, you know, we actually shouldn't be proud of. This isn't the reunited States of America just yet. Um, you know, there were funny ones from the companies that you expect to give you the funny uh, but then a lot of them were, you know, pointless commercials. Like as much as I love, uh, Jason Alexander, I didn't need to see a almost minute and a half long commercial featuring his face on a hoodie. I could have done without that, but, uh, apparently you can also buy that hoodie, but, uh, that is one hoodie I will not have in my closet at any point in time. Uh, the ugly, and I, I've floated back and forth between saying uh, that the Chiefs were bad, but the performance of the offensive line for them made that ugly. And it's it was just amazing. And y'all know me. Uh, I'm a big, uh, big fan of Lamar Jackson on my end. But the things that Patrick Mahomes was able to do last night uh, – trying to escape and still being able to throw a dart to somebody, you know, they may not have caught it, but it was a perfect spiral each time. And the way I looked at it, you know, I feel like when he practices his throws, whether it's the off season or in OTAs or whatnot, you know, he's also going back to some of his baseball stuff because the way he can just flip that ball, fling it in there, where it just looks like a shortstop or, you know, a second baseman taking the transfer, the grab, and firing it over. And it was just like all of those times when he almost got sacked and he just threw it out there. I'm looking at the ball, and if there was a receiver in the area or if, you know, someone that didn't have hands of stone was there, you know, Maybe, you know, the game would have been a little bit different, but it you can't fault Mahomes for last night. And I'm more along the line of saying that it was just the offensive line. Once they lost uh, Fisher in the AFC championship game, 
then you had to depend on backups, and like I say, our backups weren't all that strong. But you do also have to give it up to Tom Brady, you know, especially in a, you know, in a season like we've had, for him to go to an entirely different team with different pieces, uh, different coaching and coaching philosophies, you know, he finally proves at what age 43 that he's not a system quarterback. Uh, he's, you know, he he's one of the greatest of all time. You know, I'll never take that away from him and. Uh, as much as I hated him when he was with the Patriots, that was because he stood in our way of, you know, possibly going to a championship each time. But, you know, what he did to get that team in the shape, because the Buccaneers, I think, what were they, 7-9 and nine last year with, you know, uh, Jameis Winston that couldn't see. You know, yeah. the, the, the stuff was there for them. But, you know... Uh, yeah, but like I say, it was an ugly game for Kansas City, but they got nothing to be ashamed of. It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, they're back there within the next year to two years. You know, maybe not next year, but because uh, it looks like, you know, Buffalo is probably going to load up one more time and try for them. But, yeah, so that's my good, bad, and ugly. Yeah, good deal on all of those. Uh a lot of good points uh, for sure, Phil. Uh, I'll throw to you, Josh. Uh, good, bad, and the ugly in regards to the Super Bowl 55 in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I like I said at the beginning of the show, like, I mean, for me, the good thing is um, seeing Leonard Fournette uh, get a ring. I mean, I mean, I already said why. I mean, I just say he's a likable guy. But, uh, I mean, the, the good part, I mean, like, I have to agree with, uh, Phil on uh, on the point about you know the fact we got to the Super Bowl. I mean, there is the also the possibility of whether or not they were going to have to do a bubble like the NHL, like the NBA did, um, and you know like kind of what baseball did for part of their playoffs. And there was always that question of how are they going to contain uh, uh, the teams so that no more cases would would take place and. Um, you know, they were able to successfully maneuver their way through the playoffs without really any issues. I mean, there was the scare earlier in the week leading up to the game with the barber for the Chiefs testing positive, and then uh, a couple of players had to quarantine because of that. And But I think I think for the most part, they all tested negative anyways, so I guess that was good. Um, but, I mean, I think, you know, at the same time, like, the NFL was always going to make it to uh, this point. Um, they're going to get there one way or another. And I mean, I guess you have to be thankful that they didn't have to go through um, any extra stuff beyond delaying some games and having to change up the schedule a little bit. But I think the other part that was good about the the game was the, the Buccaneers defense uh, and the masterful game plan that Todd Bowles came up w- with for this game. And just like the question of how are they going to uh, stop Patrick Mahomes, how are they going to contain Tyreek Hill? And, you know, they were able to pressure him up front. You know, I mean, the Chiefs had a bad offensive line this game. They didn't have Eric Fisher. They were missing a lot of other players on that offensive line. And, um, you know, they had points where they were able to uh, score a field goal. But, you know, that was that was all they were able to do. Um, and for the Bucks, I mean, they, they basically – 
put double coverage on both uh, Hill and Kelsey early on in the game, and then they were just able to move the pocket around and cause Mahomes to be inaccurate. And then, you know, there was one thing that I saw. Uh, there was a clip where they showed uh, Vuda, v, I, I don't know how you pronounce his name, like Vuda Via or, or whatever. Um, like he's a defensive tackle. Vita and he Vea. was, yeah. Well, he was, he was uh, on rushing on the end like an edge rusher and he was able to beat the left tackle for the chiefs the backup and i can't believe they didn't do like because i mean they did they did it throughout uh the course of the game and i you know, can't believe the chiefs didn't like recognize that look and like try to uh, offset that or counter that with uh you know putting a, a running black or another uh tight end as a you know as a secondary blocker for that uh and I think if they maybe would have been able to adjust a little bit more, maybe they could have given Patrick Mahomes a little bit more time in the pocket and not have to run around so much. Um, but I mean, still though, the ability that he has, like you guys said, like it's, it's incredible just how, how he can throw without looking, you know, how you know he's basically sideways and he can throw the ball still and still make it into the end zone. And I mean, even though like a lot of those passes were, not completed, you still have to appreciate the ability of him to even be able to do that in the first place. So I, I think that was another good part. Um, uh, I mean, the the bad part, uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to say, like, what was really bad about uh, the game. But, I mean, maybe it's just that the Chiefs, like, didn't put up the offensive output that they were expected to. Um, I, I think, you know, like, Everybody was expecting it to be a close game, and then it wasn't. And then the the Patriots kind of they kind of blew them out. It wasn't like a complete blowout, but I mean, like by the time we got to the the fourth quarter, I th- I think everybody knew that the the game was over um, for the most part. And uh, you know, it was a, a interesting game, but I mean, you know, it was really one sided. And really, for the first time in Tom Brady's career, uh, this was actually the first time where um, the team that he was on, uh, it didn't come down to a, a last-minute score or you know, a defensive stand on on one side of the ball. Like like they dominated the game throughout, and you know they didn't have to worry about having some last-minute heroics or whatever. Uh, so I, I mean, I I think for the the Chiefs side, I mean, it was obviously bad for them because uh, we we were expecting a lot more than Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, f- with his ability, but I think also uh, another point to that is that maybe you have to start questioning the roster building for the Chiefs. I mean, you have Mahomes, you have Tyreek Hill, uh, Travis Kelsey, Eric Fisher, uh, uh, you have Ty- Tyron Matthew on the other side, and you know, I think uh, with with those players, obviously those guys are key players, core players that you should have on your team. But at the same time, like who's beyond those guys that, you know, can really uh, make a difference. And, you know, I feel like for the Chiefs, their running back situation, you know, I mean, running back is kind of a a plug and chug thing. I mean, it's it's always you can always find a guy that can as long as they can run and find the hole. uh, You know, you don't really have to worry too much about ranking the running game there. but I mean, they're secondary wide receivers. I mean, Sammy Watkins isn't really that great of a receiver. Macaulay uh, uh, Hardman, is, you know, he's not really that great either. Um, 
I mean, on defensive side of the ball, uh, you know, I mean, well, they, oh yeah, and Chris Jones too. Uh, I forgot about him, but you know, he's another key piece. But I mean, who, who do they you know, really have on the defense that doesn't have to commit so many penalties? Because you know, it's been known in the past that they had done a lot of defensive holding, a lot of pass interference, and I guess they finally got caught for it on uh, the game on Sunday. But I mean, I guess to transition into the ugly part, I mean the uh, the ugly part was just the penalties, I think, because I feel like this uh, edition of the playoffs and really for a lot of this season, uh, it seemed like they started to de-emphasize penalties and penalties that normally got called in the past didn't get called as often during the season and and uh, a lot of times throughout uh, this year's playoffs. But then all of a sudden the Super Bowl, they turned around and started calling penalties again um and enforcing the rules and you know in years past people had complained about the nfl uh officiating too much and saying that you know the that the officials were getting in the way of the the game um and a lot of these penalties i feel like are arbitrary too um because you can clearly see like i mean it's it was bad that all the penalties were really on the Chiefs' side of the ball they never really called the bucks on any penalties really and and I, I feel like when you have games like that where w- there's a lot of uh, one-sidedness on on the penalties i feel like um that brings the integrity of the game into question and that makes it seem like the nfl's has some kind of bias or favoritism towards you know a player or, or another team so i mean i think that's probably the ugly part uh, i mean just either they should have been more consistent with the penalties like being able to um, keep the, I guess, I mean, even though they had less in the back on penalties this year, like it would have been better if they had just kind of stayed on that same path and instead of just like changing course throughout uh, like they did on on uh, the game last night. Because um, when when you call penalties a certain way uh, throughout the year, like you expect it to kind of go your way or not go your way, but go the same way that it had gone throughout the entire year and it's like all of a sudden they just decided to start uh going by the book i guess so i mean that was probably the the ugly part for uh the super bowl is just the officiating which was uh really i mean i guess if you're a stickler for the rules it was good but at the same time like uh it it was almost like an overcorrection, like the the regular season not really enforcing penalties. That was an overcorrection from the previous year. And then the Super Bowl was almost like an overcorrection from the way that they called penalties uh, throughout uh, the season and, and the playoffs leading up into the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was a game that, uh, you know, I thought that I, I picked Tampa on the show last week. Not because I was, like, supremely confident on it. I wanted to differentiate myself from Josh. So I picked Tampa Bay. The big dogs that they have didn't do amazing work. They had their moments. But you think about Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, et cetera, et cetera, that were able to go and win this trophy. Um It's a pretty big deal as a football player and in general to go and see that particular trophy. So we will um, 
make sure it's placed in a good safe place and then get back to bowling. Uh, in regards to um, in regards to um, in um, this where the hell am I? <laughs> I lost track of what the heck I was saying. Um, I'm going to have to edit that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I just lost track of where I am. Um, I mean, do you have any, like, good, bad, and ugly for yourself for this game? Or do you want to get into Yeah, that? the... Um, the good is give credit to give credit to the Tampa Bay offense, Brian Leftwich to go and come up with that game plan with Tom Brady to go and basically take apart take apart that Kansas City defense and um, systematically take the soul out of uh, KC and those the players like that douchebag Frank Clark um Chris Jones he his he wasn't able to handle uh some of the chippiness uh by what do you call uh, Tyron Matthew which is controversial but you know he was not in his best state that you got to give credit to Byron Leftwich, uh, Bruce Arians on that game plan for Tom Brady to have outside of the 500 plus yard game he had against Philadelphia a couple a few years ago when they lost. Um, I honestly believe his best performance Tom Brady's ever had in a Super Bowl game. In terms of bad. It's, it it could be any number of things. I feel I'm gonna I'm gonna use it this way. I feel bad for the weekend, even though he has way more money than I'll ever know in my life, to go out there and kind of just be used as scapegoat. But for the exposure he's that he went and took the job as the halftime uh, halftime show. The ugly was uh, Mike Remmers and whatever the Kansas City offensive line is Josh brought up uh, to go and basically be a turnstile all night is pretty bad. Um, But credit to Kermit the Frog in some of the throws he was able to make to go and kind of stay upright other than when Indomitian and Sue tried to take his head off. Uh, that was a bad performance to consider Patrick Mahomes only lost 10 games in his career is pretty good. Uh, there's a lot of hope potential to go and continue this deal and possibly try to get back to another Super Bowl in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, with that, I'll go and throw to uh, Josh first and talk about 
uh, where we can go and see you on social media, where we can go see you sim racing, etc. Well, um, before we get into that, uh, did we make, like, are we going to make a uh, official Daytona 500 prediction for each of us, or do you want to, like, make a quick quick call on the winner or anything like that? Uh, we're probably going to hold off. I kind of figure we'll do another show uh, before the 500, uh, I think, uh, because, and also wouldn't hurt to go and see what, what we see, uh, in okay. regards to, yeah. So we'll, we'll hold off on that, but, uh, good call and good, good pickup. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure on that. Uh, no, um, as always, you know, you can follow me on Twitter at, uh, JP Huffine. And then Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash usailor2. Um, going to be doing iRacing probably, uh, I don't know, like during the week. But, I mean, definitely on the weekend, uh, there will be a lot of streaming going on there. Um, I So this past weekend, I was able to rank up into uh, A class on the oval side for iRacing. So going to be eligible now to do a lot of the, the, the cup stuff uh on the ranked races on there so um glad to finally make it up there but i think uh i do i think should i i have the i try to make plans for it uh to try and make a run at one of the official uh daytona 500 uh sim races on on iRacing which they've they've got several uh slots uh starting on wednesday going through sunday so i'm um, gonna try to see if I can get into one of those and, and compete in there. Um, and, you know, hopefully I can try to make it to the end without part, you know, getting any damage or anything and just, you know, survive the race. And I mean, the, the challenge is going to, you know, be the last for the entire thing, you know, with basically not being able to get out of my chair. Um, you know, I never done a, a 200 lap race, so going to have to try to see if I can do it. I mean, I'm, I'm confident in my ability to do that. So, um, We'll we'll be uh, streaming on there for one of the races. We'll let you know when or which race I decide to get into or the the time slot I decide to race in. But we'll have the GSP car there, I think, or something like that. So um, should be interesting and exciting. Absolutely, and uh, it'll be cool to have the uh, GSP car out there and uh, whether it gets. Uh, whatever, uh, whatever it looks like by the end of 500 miles, it'll just be cool to be out there, uh, because somebody might go and take a shot of it or Josh or whatever. And I have faith in Josh to be able to go and manage things because the analytics and everything, he'll go and do his thing. And, uh, thank you as always for, being my wingman and uh, covering for me, even at this point in this uh, evening, uh, I'm running on I'm running on fumes. I'm running on uh, whatever the hell Jeff Hammond was uh, using to go and get old Durwood across the line uh, to win the Daytona 500 uh, for sure. Uh, speaking of that, as a old school uh, NASCAR fan talking about he was going to watch a certain 
race that has uh, made a big difference in the world of motorsport, NASCAR, whatever. Uh, Phil, where can we go and follow you on social media and where can we find your show? And uh, of course, thank you for coming on uh, here on the GSP. Of course, of course. Always love uh, coming through. Glad you guys invited me back. Um, uh, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Phil in Espanol. Uh, basically, self-explanatory. If you can't find it, just search Phil Spain in the bar. I should be the first one that pops up. Uh, I'm on, uh, as far as the White Silk Racing Podcast, we're on all of your major uh podcasts and platforms uh and we're also on youtube with uh some sparing sparingly some sparingly over time uploads uh probably get into it a little bit more with the uh, season going on that'll probably be a middle of the week type thing so watch out for videos and of course you know like subscribe and uh turn on notifications for that if you're into that type of thing um and yeah, that's about it right now. Um, not much else on my docket. Uh, still working on the details of my little uh, defunct series that I was going to bring to the forefront. But uh, yeah, earlier uh, you had touched on it uh, a little bit, but you know, and I'm sure you guys will have an episode probably in a couple weeks. Uh, you know, uh, this has been 20 years since passing a Dale Senior and. Uh, you know, I haven't watched that race uh, in its entirety pretty much since the day it actually aired. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's just something about it where I can't get through that race. But this year, I think, you know, just as an honor to him, I'm, I'm going to try. And, uh, yeah, so that'll be something maybe I'll... Uh, you know, try to put up a live stream or something like that on uh, YouTube or, uh, you know, have a watch along with everybody. But, yeah, so that's everything for me. I just uploaded an episode of uh, White Silk Racing Podcast, so that should be on uh, wherever you get your podcast at. So thank you for the time tonight. I was going and uh, doing all that. Uh, doing all that stuff uh, muted. I am uh, I'm in a pretty good spot here. Uh, thanks to Josh and Phil for covering for me here at the end of this show. Um, it will uh, we're we're looking at uh, Thursday night, depending on the weather. Uh, whether it's during the race, whether it's uh, live stream, whether it's uh, post-race for the duels, we'll go and do a show to kind of break down what we think will happen in the Daytona 500. And we will also look at uh, the other races coming up, the trucks, uh, Xfinity and ARCA along with anything else that's going on in the motorsports world. I thank uh, Phil Spain for coming on again. Hopefully we can go and continue that and cross-promote. I thank you, Josh, for being my 
co-host and wingman cover for me um, on every every show, including tonight, for my lack of functionality. Um, my functionality is probably like what's going to happen uh, this weekend at Daytona, where I'm, where people are not going to look in their mirrors like Garrett Smithley or uh, Joey Gase. Uh, with that. Thank you for listening to Gripstrip Podcast. Uh, please follow all of us. Uh, follow me at Philip G. Matthew. Follow the Gripstrip Pod at Gripstrip Pod on Twitter. Uh, we are on um, all the major platforms. You can go and find podcasts. Or on Podbean, of course, where our show is distributed. Or at Amazon Music. And... Um, Apple Podcasts, um, et cetera, et cetera. Where you can go find podcasts, you can find the Grip Strip Podcast. So we thank you for listening to us. Uh, social distance, stay, stay safe, uh, wear a mask, um, get the vaccine when you're ready and, um, and enable, and um, take care of one another. It's a great time now. Racing season is fully taking off. Of course, they've been running on dirt for a few weeks. So we're getting ready for some pavement racing here this week and going on until November. So uh, it's racing time. Football's done. Racing's going. Baseball's about to come on. It's time to go and live up 2021 and do it the right way. Uh, thanks to Josh and Phil for coming on tonight, and uh, we will see you next time on the Grist Trip Podcast. Good night.